0: I will just open with an unpopular opinion on Halloween, which is that I do not like scary stuff. (laughs) Never in my life have I been excited to be scared on purpose. I don't care for haunted houses, or horror movies, or ghost stories. My joke is that I can find plenty in real life to be scared of, and I don't need to go looking for it on purpose. I still stand by this. However, a recent article by Pastor J.R. Forasteros sheds some light on the appeal of the horror genre, specifically from a Christian perspective. He argues that horror films, often drawing on Christian themes, invite us into spaces of clarity and confession The monsters we see in film are often projections or commentaries on real-life societal horrors like racism, exploitation, death, illness, or even our own demons and sins that we work really hard to repress. Scary stories make us confront injustice up close. They make us uncomfortable, wary, sharp-eyed for what's wrong in our society. So even though I usually turn to books and movies that make me feel comforted and good and happy, I've learned recently that the point of horror is to remind us that it's not always helpful or good for us to be comfortable all the time. And while it is true that Jesus offers messages of comfort and hope, he also challenges us to live outside of a bubble, to choose, to know about, to care about, and to do something about injustice? How can we confront issues of poverty if we don't allow ourselves to notice desperation? How can we promote anti-racism if we are completely insulated from witnessing the pain of being targeted or dehumanized? What if we never get angry about oppression simply because we are just not confronted with it? We have to know what the monsters are, before we are able to vanquish them. Which leads me to ask a question. How do we know what to fear? How do we know what or who to dehumanize, to monstrosize, to villainize, to run screaming from? There's a common trope in horror films when the unsuspecting victim thinks that they're safe, finally. But the audience knows that there's danger right around the corner. The monster's still alive, still under the bed, ready to pounce. It forces us to feel this outsized sense of fear, and our bodies respond as though we ourselves are not safe. So, how in our lives do we identify so called monsters? Are we dehumanizing the wrong people? Are there good people and bad people? Which side are we on? Who should we trust? Who should we love? These identification questions remind me of Luke's gospel when the disciples asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? They hoped there would be some easy way to detect who is worthy and who is not. They wanted the full picture, the omnipotence of God. But I think a better question for our purposes is, is there anyone who is not my neighbor? Are we supposed to fear people or are we supposed to fear systems? I think our answer comes to us today in deceptive simplicity. Our reading from Deuteronomy contains the single most important prayer in the Jewish faith called the Shema. Shema means to hear in Hebrew. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, God alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your strength. Children learn to memorize this. And many Jewish people in our society still recite it several times per day, in the morning, new time, before bed. It's also commonly recited by someone immediately before their death. It is the most important prayer. And Jesus affirms that this is the first and greatest task to which we are set by God. And from this, a reminder to love our neighbors While it is tempting to lift up the Shema as the Jewish equivalent to the Lord's Prayer, which is probably something many of us have memorized since we were little, we have to look at the Gospel and actually realize that the Christian equivalent of the Shema is the Shema. Jesus affirms the greatest commandment is for Israel to hear that the Lord is our God, God alone. From this, all other prayer, moral action, decision-making springs. Loving God leads to loving neighbor. There is no other way loving God could possibly turn out. It is an invitation to fear what should be feared, systems of injustice and oppression, and what should not be feared, people, those on the margins, even people we don't like, or even those in power who make decisions we don't like. The Shema is a moral reminder that we cannot love God and hate neighbor at the same time. And this is the soil from which our church, our vocations, and our discipleship, and our faith grows. Loving God. The love that God gives to us is the love that we reflect back to God, meaning that all parts of us are sanctified and blessed. Our hearts, minds, bodies, souls... This is a kind of love that's perfect, unconditional, dazzling, and also capable of holding and embracing all of our own demons. This is a love that is critical and challenging, one that pushes us into a state of discomfort. And I believe this commandment sums up the value of sometimes needing to sit face to face with our fears, needing to be afraid on purpose. I'm willing to bet that all of us here in this room have seen the equivalent of horror movies play out in our lives, either personally or in our periphery. And as much as we would like to escape this, we cannot. Maybe this is why we enjoy manufactured spooks like ghosts and goblins. The love that Jesus commanded us to give God and to our neighbors requires us to have times where we are afraid just for the sheer fact that there are lots of terrifying realities about the world we live in, and that maybe, just maybe, we sometimes contribute to it. It reminds us that it is not up to us to decide if we are good or bad, or if our neighbor is good or bad. Instead, it says, being unsettled is a gift of the highest order and a fruit of the strongest love. God's love comforts us, yes, but it also doesn't let us forget that we have a job to do as disciples. Sometimes God's love looks an awful like confronting evil so that we are aware of our own demons and those in the world around us. Only then can we heal. There are lots of Christians who severely disapprove of horror movies because of the way they allegedly glorify paganism and open up a way into Satan's evil machinations in the world. But I actually don't think that this is what Satan, or so-called evil forces, would actually want. I think Satan would prefer us to, keep, to stay in the dark about our own sin, our own complicity, and the suffering of others. If we do not confront what scares us? We cannot repent or reconcile. And that is what Satan wants for us to not care for our indifference. Instead, God asks us to love unceasingly, which re- necessarily requires some amount of discomfort, some internal interrogation about who we see as monsters and not neighbors. Who is my neighbor? You are, and they are. Together in love, we can survive and even thrive amidst a trouble and scary world, making it a little better as we go. In the name of God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer.